listening to episode 107 of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark, and we are recording this from Four Stream Studios, and I'm joined as usual by my good friends, Mr. Brad Brown and Mr. Jonathan Hafes. Uh, I will address quickly, we did not have an episode last week. We do apologize. We were in the middle of Holy Week and we all had a number of responsibilities and tasks that had to be completed, and we honestly just did not have time to record a podcast. So that is why you missed out on the glorious goodness of Shades Midweek last and, week. And we know that so many of you depend upon this podcast on a weekly basis, so we would like to give our sincere apologies, because I can't imagine how difficult it was. Yeah, it, it broke our own hearts. We all spent, we spent a good five minutes weeping. Yeah, I missed listening uh, to myself talk for sure. So, so yeah. I can't imagine it was it was just as difficult for us as it was for you. <laughs> but we are off the heels of Easter still, Sunday, still basking in the glow. That's right. And this was what a wonderful Sunday it was. It really was, and this was the first Easter Sunday that we've had inside of our building since 2019. Wow. Yeah, man. With wow. a full with full capacity. With full yeah. capacity. Yeah, it was yes. crazy. Yeah, because so in 2020, there was like, what, 10 to 12 of us in the room yep. or something like that. And an iPhone. And an iPhone. <laughs> Two iPhones. Um, that was the year I wore my parrot shirt. Um, <laughs> I was like, nothing's normal this year. I'm just going to wear a parrot shirt. The year of the parrot shirt. Um, as it shall be known henceforth. <laughs> um, and then last year, we did the outdoor Easter That's thing. That's right, which was great. Yeah, it was. It was. It, But, you know, it wasn't the normal wasn't the norm. Easter Easter gig. And one of the things that I, I do miss, I mean, there's positive and negative. There's pros and cons, right? Like, there's, there's some beautiful things for doing an Easter service outside. But one of the things I love about Easter at Shades is it really is like a party. Um, mm-hmm. like a party atmosphere almost and, and just the it's packed yeah and the music um, just fills up the place and all that and you really can't pull that off outside yeah, like outside right. you have to be seated in a very specific like like basically in front of the speakers if you want it to feel like right yeah full and and all of that versus inside it just you know it was, the place was, was yeah. hopping it's good to be back <laughs> thank god um, so yeah it was awesome I had a, a great time. Um, yeah, I don't know. You guys got anything else we need to say? Talitha was baptized on oh, yeah. Easter, which made so it really good. special for our family as well. And flowers on the cross. and Bob yeah. Dylan songs. Yeah, oh, we, we did. did. We opened up with Dylan. <laughs> we did open up with Saved by Bob Dylan off of one of his gospel albums. Bob that was Dylan a lot of songs. Fun. Johnny Cash songs. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that album called Saved? It is called Saved. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that album. You should go check that out. Yeah, Bob listen, to, listen saved. to Saved, and then the what? album before that is called Slow Train Coming. That's his. That's one of his other prominent gospel albums. Wasn't th- uh, that one of your albums of the week? Did you do Saved? I don't remember. I've never done. I've never done that album for album of the week. Okay, yeah. never mind. And then Sorry, uh, the uh, Ain't No Grave. Johnny Cash wrote that song, didn't he? Is, did he write that? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure that he wrote it, but he definitely recorded it as a part of his American recording series that Rick Rubin produced. Kind of like I feel like it's known as a Johnny Cash song, right? That's the only place I knew it from before Bethel did it with Molly Skaggs, right? And and you told me a fun fact that I can't remember now. Molly Skaggs, who is she? She's the daughter of someone. uh, Ricky, oh, is yeah. it Ricky Skaggs? Is that his name? Now everyone that's a bluegrass fan is really going to be <laughs> upset. 
If I put in Skaggs to Spotify, yeah, Ricky Skaggs, I believe that Molly Skaggs is his daughter. Sorry, I totally put you on the spot. I'm pretty sure. Either daughter or granddaughter. But that's a that's yeah, a great recording. So. Man, I loved it. When y'all went in to uh, uh, Ain't No Grave, it, it sounded like we'd stepped into a Western film. Um, was it Cole using the slide uh, on the electric yes. guitar? Oh, yeah. it, was, it was so much fun. That's it was a lot of fun. It was so great. Very it was a yeah, good friend. Sunday. It was just nice to have things back to normal for Easter. It's we passed the peace. Passed the peace. Passed the peace. Yeah. yeah. For the that was the first time we've done that. Awesome. A long, long time. So yeah. Praise yeah, God. Seriously. Well, I guess we should probably uh, move right along. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's so, jump right in. Uh, you got you got a. How do we do this? We missed last week, so I don't remember anymore. We do albums first. You gotta, I guess so. Yeah. We'll do an album That's first. Right. Okay. JM's album of the week. Before My album of the week this week, continuing with the Shades releases, is King of Kings. It actually came out a couple of weeks ago, but since we didn't have an episode last week, I didn't feature it. So King of Kings is the single or the second single that came out that we put out off the forthcoming album called Wanderings. It's available on Spotify and Apple Music um, and very appropriate for Easter weekend and post Easter or any time that you'd like to listen to this song. What now? Now the first single featured your wife. Whose yes. sultry vocals are these that we are listening this to? This is me singing. <laughs> this is oh. me singing on this oh, one. Oh, yes. Man, yeah. Yeah. We actually closed our Easter service with this song. We sure did on Sunday. We sure did. That's right. So I messed ch- it up. So <laughs> So check out King of Kings, and then we actually put out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a double feature. Do the double, Ooh, double, do the double. Feature. I like it. Wow, actually, what, a, what a treat! We actually put out another single, and this came out on Good Friday. The third single that we put out is called Have Mercy. That's John Ball, good friend of mine, one of the main contributors to this project called Shades. He's singing on this song. My wife also sings on it as well. And um, there's actually a third voice that comes in right at the very end, and that's Mackenzie Wonski of the Wonski family. Now, isn't she on King 
King of Kings as well? I think she is on King of yeah, Kings. Yeah, yeah, she sings yeah. harmony at the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she came into the studio one day randomly. We were just asking random people to come in. We're like, let's see if McKenzie can come in. And she came in for a few hours and knocked out a couple of uh, vocal takes for us. But it's great. Yeah, this is w- probably one of my favorite songs on the record. It's definitely super emotional and intense. It's a prayer. It's a plea to God, uh, you know, to to move and to work and to show His mercy upon us amidst the brokenness and injustice that we see in the world. And uh, we actually played this song on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago. It was the week that Russia invaded Ukraine, and so for me, uh, the lyrics took on a whole new a whole new meaning when I when I led that song that weekend. So. I love this song. This this song is available on Spotify and Apple Music as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of exciting things are happening. We have another single coming out this Friday, and then the full-length album Wanderings drops on April 29th. April 29th. So Woo. please support it by streaming and listening. You can actually go to – we have a Bandcamp page now, and you can buy the album on Bandcamp. You can buy it on iTunes. I believe there's an exclusive single that's not being released uh, amongst the singles so far that you can get through Bandcamp as well if you pre-order the album. We've got some T-shirts that are going to be dropping soon, so follow wow. us Follow us on Instagram at Shade Songs. There's going to be a couple of other ways that you can help us uh, raise some money so that we can put some money back into this project and continue to make music that glorifies God and yeah cool that's what's going on merch shades Shades, check it out every time i hear the beginning of this song uh, it feels like a movie soundtrack to me that's right so intense with the the strings coming in (laughs) yeah so the aso the alabama symphony orchestra no uh a friend of ours named eleanor actually tracked all the strings on she lives in nashville so yeah well, those are my albums of the Love week, it. my two singles. All right. Love it. Well, musically, let's do a hard left turn right here. <laughs> After that nice, peaceful tune. That's right. There's an organ in your face. It just communicates the gravitas of this next segment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Bradford's book club as always so glad that you are sitting in on this segment your presence your support and encouragement means more than you know I am jazzed John Mark about the book that I'm recommending today it's hot off the press I don't think that expression really carries much anymore does it I I don't know Well, nonetheless, it's recently released. It's a book by a guy that I'm a big fan of, and that is Andy Crouch. The book is titled The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. So I have, I think I've recommended a few Andy Crouch books. If you have never read an Andy Crouch book, then shame on you. I'm just kidding. But you really should because he has a lot of great 
insights. And I've really enjoyed really everything that I've read by him. If you want to go get a taste of Andy Crouch, you could go to YouTube, watch a little clip with him. Let me read a little bit from the back cover to describe the book. So Crouch says, Our greatest need is to be recognized, to be seen, loved, and embedded in rich relationships with those around us. But for the last century, we've displaced that need with the ease of technology. We've dreamed of mastery without relationship, what the pre-modern world called magic, and abundance without dependence, what Jesus called mammon. Yet, even before a pandemic disrupted that quest, we felt threatened and strangely out of place, lonely, anxious, bored amid endless options. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Oddly disconnected amid uh, infinite connections. And the life we're looking for, Crouch shows how we have been seduced by a false vision of human flourishing and how each of us can fight back. All right, so we actually have Andy in the studio today. That's not true. But I was listening to an interview that somebody else did with Andy Crouch, and in this li there's this little clip where he's talking about uh, how we trade, how technology tempts us to trade personhood for effortless power, trading personhood for effortless power. And so I thought it might be worth listening to so our listeners can get a taste of Andy Crouch. Yeah, so let's start with what we actually are made to be and what we actually are. And one way to think about it is by using this uh, idea from the Hebrew Bible. It predates the Christian Bible, but Jesus picks up on it, and it's called the Shema Israel. It's this uh, very important text in Jewish life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. And then it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, in essence. And that's how Jesus frames it when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? So this is like the most important thing to know about us, <laughs> is we're designed for love, first of all, and we're designed to do that in these dimensions of what I would call full personhood, heart, soul, mind, strength. What has happened as technology started to work in the way that it works is it gives us ways to take shortcuts around all four of those qualities of being human. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the most obvious is strength. Obviously, no, using what we learned through physics and chemistry and all this stuff, we, we now can apply strength in the world without any bodily effort. And that sounds awesome. Like, wow, I can get things done without having to exert myself, without fatigue, right, without labor. And I'm sure it, it certainly has some benefits. But what that actually does to our bodies is actually not very good, right? Because we are now living with the first non-infectious public health crisis in history. So I know we all think about COVID-19, but this pandemic is a blip compared to metabolic syndrome, which is diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, which all kind of go together and, and tending to also uh, excess weight. And all these are the result of the inactivity of the modern world. Um, it's not good for our bodies to not use our strength. Now, it's certainly good that people don't have to work themselves to the bone or, you know, th that there are alternatives to manual labor in some sectors and spheres. But it's not good that I could easily spend this whole day sitting in the chair I am sitting in <laughs> right now and looking at a screen and feeling very productive and, and then that gets to why, why do we do it then? If it's, I know it's not actually good for my body to do that, but I get in what I call in this book, the superpower zone, which is where with seemingly little effort, I am getting all kinds of things done. I am like 
pounding through email. I'm reading all these different things online. I'm watching all this stuff. I'm creating. I'm sending it into the world with no exercise of my strength. (laughs) And that's not actually good for me as a person. And I actually think we could talk more about if we had lots of time. I actually think on the heart level, the emotional life that we have, and technology also has provided ways to kind of hijack our emotions and and stimulate and soothe our emotions, Uh, the mental level, how we actually cognitively engage with the world. And then our soul uh, maybe is the worst (laughs) hit of all. And in all these areas, we now have a kind of superpower option that feels very efficacious, like I'm really getting something done. And in fact, you are dwindling as a person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's a like thousand, a, a thousand percent. Andy Crouch, the life we're looking for, reclaiming relationship in a technological world. I think you'll, be, you'll enjoy it. Right, what, what, uh, what podcast was that interview from? It's called Rhythms for Life with Gabe and Rebecca Lyons. Because that, that may be the podcast that they're looking for. Yes. Uh, Gabe Gabe and Rebecca Lyons actually run Q Ideas, which yeah, yeah, is familiar. different yeah. than QAnon. <laughs> uh, just so that just a knows. little. That's a, good cl- that's a good clarification. They've a- I've, I've heard people ask him about that before. Oh, I my think word. Q Ideas have, has been around. Oh, for a oh, long yeah. time. Wow. Much longer than QAnon was, and so it's just a very unfortunate <laughs> thing that they probably have to deal with, I'm sure. Oh, my word. Well, uh, I do think we have one more uh, segment before we get to the main thing today. So let's take a take a trip, maybe, Jam? Yeah, apparently there are other people that like books, and they are in the email corridor. So let's go down there and see what they have to say. The email corridor. The email corridor. Oh, I guess I, I'm the one that's supposed to read the email. <laughs> That's right. Brad made me we laugh. We are on it today. I'm sorry. Brad made me laugh. It's not my fault. No, we have an email uh, from longtime listener, and she has emailed before. That is one Susan Sexton. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, we love Susan here at Midweek. And Susan writes in to say, oh, oh, the, the subject line is book recommendation on prayer. Love it. She says, hey, Midweek, I really enjoyed the deeper discussion about prayer in the most recent episode, and I heard your call for book recommendations at the end. A few years ago, I read a book called The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. It's by John Stark. Are any of y'all familiar with John Stark? I hadn't heard of John Stark before. Yeah, he's a pastor in New York. Awesome. Awesome. And she says, and I found it so helpful and encouraging. It opens with a discussion of why we are to pray and some of the challenges we face when trying to pray. But then it provides some more structured scaffolding and approaches without being too prescriptive. For example, it spends a lot of time in the Psalms and pulls out specific points to ponder. The tone throughout is very gentle and encouraging. Most importantly, I found after the book that I joyfully prayed more. And that is a real victory. Thanks for all you do, Susan Sexton. Susan, thank you for all you do. And thank you for this email. I I personally definitely want to check out this book. Uh, because of how she ends right there, most importantly, I found after the book I prayed more joyfully. Yeah, uh, because uh, So maybe we can do an episode sometime where we talk about New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you guys do these things or not or what have not. But I actually write out a big list of resolutions every year. Um, and I, I, one of them that I wrote this year was to deepen my prayer life. And mm. so I am, I am very 
very interested in in this book right here. Love it. John Stark. Do you know where he pastors, Brad? I mean, New York, but I was wondering if you knew the name of the church or the denomination. or. I think they're with the Harbor Network. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Used to be Sojourn. Used to be Sojourn. And you can find, he contributes to the Gospel Coalition a lot. He writes a lot there. You can find okay. a lot of his stuff there. Awesome. I don't know exactly where in New York's, New York City, though. Yeah. Well, I am very excited about this. Thank you, Susan, for the recommendation. If you have uh, any book recommendations at any time, please feel free to pass those along to us as well. That's right. Well, today I am I am very excited about what we're doing on Shades Midweek because here right after Easter, what, what better way to continue the celebration and the celebration at Shades Valley than by meeting a member. It's time to meet a member. That's right. Lisa Theus is in the house. All right. Hello, hello. <laughs> so we we have had Matt on your, your I don't want to say better half, your other half. You're the better half. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> so we've had, we've had Matt on before, but now we get to get the real story. We get to get things the, the the we get the truth that's right that's what we're after yeah that's what i'm hoping no no <laughs> lawyers present that's right <laughs> to tell us what we can and cannot ask or or say or talk about but we got a long time before we even get to matt because we are interested lisa more in in your story which i think each of us probably knows bits and pieces of mm-hmm. but i don't think i've ever even this is one of the things i love about doing these meet a member episodes is even getting to know people over a decade, like you very rarely just sit down and are like, hey, just tell me your life. Entire like, life story. Yeah, <laughs> in order. Um, so I'm really okay. excited. So yeah, so let's just start with where you grew up. Okay, well, it has to start with where I was born. And I was born in Spain, which is in mm. Europe, not South America. <laughs> and um my parents were missionaries, so that's why I grew up. I was born there. They were um, missionaries for about 30 years in Spain. And so my older sister went with them when she was a toddler, and then my, myself and my younger sister were born there. Where, where in Spain? In the northwest. In Galicia is the region in the city of Vigo, and that's just about an hour north of Portugal. So if you're looking at a map of Spain and you see the old lady profile on the left that's portugal and then we're right above that gotcha that's that's awesome so i'm i'm imagining that you are fluent in spanish yes i am would you like to do the rest of this interview <laughs> brad's fluent he'll converse Por with supuesto, you no tengo ningún problema en hacer eso. <laughs> i'm just kidding none of us know any spanish it's <laughs> true so how long were you in spain i lived there until i was 17 until i graduated from high school my parents came back since they were baptist missionaries they came back on furlough every four years so i lived in auburn alabama which is where my dad's from in third grade and i lived in montgomery alabama in eighth grade which was not great and then <laughs> i moved to birmingham when i graduated from high school gotcha well tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in spain because that is far outside of the context of any of our experience it was it was good. It was home. I didn't really know anything different. When people have asked me that before, I'm like, I don't know. It was like growing up in Birmingham, I guess, because it was home. Mm. Um, and the only difference was that I was American and people knew it. So in that way, I felt a little bit displaced. But then when I'd come to the States, I was a little displaced right. <laughs> because I'd spent most of my time in Spain. Mm. So um, I'm what people call a third culture kid. So 
we have a little bit of one country and a little bit of another, and we merge them together to make our own culture. Gotcha, gotcha. What are what are some unique aspects of Spanish culture that uh, that you experienced growing up that you didn't find in Auburn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of hard. Okay, um, unique Spanish, uh, friendly for the most part. Um, didn't find that in Auburn, did she, Brad? Well, yeah, that, <laughs> I would kidding. find that in Auburn. <laughs> Watch it. Uh, warm people, not warm climate, not where I lived. Um, I don't know. I just it was home. It was right. what I grew up with. It's hard to distinguish in my head. What right. was the nature of your parents' work there? I know there were missionaries, but what did they do, kind of in the day in and day out? Dad um, and mom were church planters, so they would start churches. So they started a when they first got to Spain in 19, I think, 64, they um, start. They joined a church that had already started in A Coruña, Spain, which is in Galicia, and that's where I was born, in the city of A Coruña, which is in the north. There's a big tower there called the Tower of Hercules that the uh, one of the Roman Caesars built. Um, and then after that, they started their own church in Beagle, which is about two hours away. And then after they got that church established, they moved to another region of Spain called Asturias, which is where I spent my high school years, and they started a church there. Wow. So what was it like being the kid of church planners? It was a little lonely. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you'd, start, you'd go to church and there'd be nobody my age. You know, mm-hmm. It was just, we started usually meeting at home, and then if they got two or three families, then what I remember is that then we would go and meet somewhere outside of our home <clears throat> as a congregation, but um, not many Christian young people, not many evangelical Christian young people. Mm-hmm. There were, it was, Spain was a Catholic country at right. that time. Mm-hmm. So. Right. so did you have a lot of active roles at these church plants? I uh, know uh, if there's not a lot of people, your parents are starting it, you might get <laughs> thrown into a, some sort of position up front or... Well, as a typical, I think it'd be a typical pastor's kid. Like I related <laughs> really well to pastor's children here in the States. I mean, you get roped into being the choir, and if you can play an instrument, you're the one who plays it. <laughs> if you're old enough, you teach Sunday school. Yeah, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about what young Lisa was like. What what was she interested in? Was she outgoing? Was she shy? What? I think I was shy, but I was also sassy from looking back at photos. <laughs> I look at back pictures of young Lisa, and I've got a look on my face. And um, I loved rocks. Uh, I really loved rocks. So <laughs> every time my dad have, made have it up. and Rick getting your connected I know. over yeah, this we have. month before? Okay. <laughs> we, um, every Friday, my dad was my dad's day off, and we'd go out into the woods, up in the mountains or at the beach, wherever we wanted. And dad told me recently, every trip back from the, from wherever we'd spent the day, the back floorboard was covered in rocks that I'd collected. <laughs> so I still collect rocks. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What, uh, so what wh- were you like coming up through like middle school, high school? Much more quiet, reserved. Um, my, my family moved to a, the new city, Oviedo and Asturias, my, um, high school years. That was tough because we left everything that I was familiar with and really considered home um, in Beagle, where I grew up. Uh, we'd come back to the States for a furlough <clears throat> for my eighth grade year. And then when, like right before we went back to Spain, my parents told us we weren't going back to Beagle. So that was a little rough. Mm. Um, 
So, no. What were those furlough years like coming and being in the States? A lot of family, you know, see, meeting my cousins that I didn't know very well and aunts and uncles and things like that. And traveling to different churches so dad and mom could talk about their work and fundraise in a way. And then um, I would finally feel like I was hitting my stride here in the States by about month seven. And then we would go back to Spain. <laughs> right, <laughs> so. right, right. Now, I'm, I'm curious. You, you said you, you would end up leaving Spain to come here for college when mm-hmm. you were 17? Yeah. Um, is that the same time your parents, like, did their time conclude in Spain at that time? No, they were still there. They were still in Spain. So, so what made you choose to come here to, to the States for college versus, was that always the plan? It kind of was. I mean, I had peers, other missionary kid peers of mine that went to college in Spain. But um, college admission in Spain is a lot more difficult than it is in the States. Um, In Spain, at that time, you really had to know somebody at the university to get admitted into the program you wanted. For example, I had one of my best friends wanted to go into um, journalism. That was his top choice. But there were no openings in the journalism school, so he ended up in art history because that was what was open. So you kind of, and he had to know somebody to even get into that. So it was a little more difficult. And I had been homeschooled the whole time. So I think my parents' plan was for me to come to the States because I was homeschooled in in the American way. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you ended up where? At Sanford University. Ah, so here. Yeah, right here in this neighborhood. So you must have liked Alabama to some degree, or was it just familiar? Or why did you pick Sanford? Well, I picked Alabama because it was in-state tuition. Um, mm. uh, and so mom and dad said I had to go to school in Alabama. But then I, <laughs> okay. And then I picked Sanford because my older sister had just graduated from Sanford. I'd been to the school. I'd visited it. My parents went to Sanford when it was Howard College. Oh, wow. Back in the 60s, early 60s. And so... So, so what year would this have been that you come to Sanford? 1986. So it was, was it on Lakeshore by that point? Tom? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was over here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. I stayed in the same dorm my mom did, so. Oh, wow. I don't know at what point they changed the name of the university, but. Sure. Yeah. But I was in the same unair conditioned dorm. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's my mom. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> now, you might have already said this, but what, uh, what was your major? What did you choose to study? I haven't said. It was human relations. Okay. Why'd, so I was a journalism major. Because I wanted, so I was a journalism major, broadcast, photography was really my my thing, my dream. Um, I'd watched a movie in high school called The Killing Fields. Oh yeah, about Cambodia. I've got it. Yeah. I, I bet you do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's a good yeah. movie. and so there was a, a photojournalist in that movie, um, played by Julian Sands, I think is his last name. Weird trivia. Um, <laughs> And I loved it. And so mm-hmm. I decided at that point that's what I was going to do. So I started journalism at Sanford. And then about my second year in, we had deadlines every week. And when we had come around to that deadline for the, for the news article or the photos to be turned in and developed, I would anxiety would just take over me. Wow. And I would end up just so stressed and upset. And then I would turn in my work, and then I'd be worried that it wouldn't turn out right. And anyway, it was... God showed me that was not my path. 
So I'd taken so many journalism classes at that point that I had a minor. So I started the easiest major to get, <laughs> <laughs> which was human relations, sociology, and psychology classes. So that's what I ended up doing. But while yeah, I was a journalist. Psychology, super simple. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> well, the sociology part. Brad was a yeah. Brad was a psych major. Oh, okay. Minor. My, oh, minor. Oh, yeah. You and were even you were a harder major. I was communication major, an even harder major. No, yeah. it was well. Mine was called. There was math a lot math. of athletes in my major. Oh. So if that says anything. <laughs> I was I was picking him to be. He's in his master's program for counseling right now. I was just picking. Well, but. the um, while I was in journalism, I got held up as an example as, of Joe journalism because I was on the paper staff, the yearbook staff. And I was a DJ. Oh, whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, okay, whoa, okay. Right. Here we go. Now, yeah. <laughs> this is the content we're here for, Lisa. <laughs> Elaborate on that. Tell well, me about DJ Lisa. <laughs> well, Sanford has a radio station, I think they still do, that plays just jazz music. There's got to be archives of this somewhere. That would be weird because it was all on records. Like, I oh, wasn't even man. there. Wow. I don't even think there were tapes. But yeah, I was a DJ for a a show on like I don't know a weeknight called the evening relaxed. I was gonna say, could you oh, give right. us like maybe a little <laughs> well, sample what was of your what DJ you would do? Name? Yeah, give me give me a song that you would play, <laughs> and I'll I'll uh, start playing underneath, and then you do your intro. Uh, <laughs> I played a lot of Spyro Gyra and um, some of the slower Herbie Hancock, and it was not the jazz that Matt listens to. Okay, <laughs> it's not uh, the blues. But um, <laughs> and it was from nine to eleven, I think, was the shift. So the the only, I mean, there's several stories, but the only funny story that I really like is that one time I was giving away tickets to a Spyro Gyra concert that was going to be at Oak Mountain Amphitheater. So when I was, I did my little bit, and I said, you know, if you're the fifth caller, you get these free tickets. Now, do you have a DJ voice? Do you think you? I think this is my DJ voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great. It is her voice, Brad. I think it's, I personally, I think it's great. I think the only thing I inflected was the evening relaxed. <laughs> love it. I love, I love it. it. Did you have a DJ name? No, it was just Lisa, just Lisa. I think. I think. Just, okay. but I was, I'm sorry, we interrupted you. No, that's okay. So after playing a song, and you know, kind of the new agey jazz songs can last a while. So after about a six, seven minute song, Nobody called, so I said, <laughs> said "Okay, on the line. if you're the third caller, you, you get these free tickets." And again, a long song, and nobody calls. So then nobody. I realized nobody's listening. <laughs> so I lost all fear and nervousness at that point, and I said, "If you are the only caller, you get the tickets." So the person who called right then was another DJ, and I said, "Okay." <laughs> That also worked at the station? Yes. So I was like, okay, Andrew, I will split these with you. <laughs> so, so we split the four tickets. That's funny. Oh, That's... my gosh. Did, did you get a song over there? Yeah, I don't know if this would be uh, Morning Dance by Spyro Gyra. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing I would play. This is, one of the, this is their most popular song on Spotify, so... Five million streams. You're listening to the evening. <laughs> Relax. Right. On WESU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. That is so funny. Wow, that's great. Oh, man. Yep. Yep. I mean, did you so, like that kind of music? Is that why you took that job? No, I took it for the experience. Okay. 
Mm. Yeah. That's cool. I think you might have missed your calling. <laughs> I, no, no. Yeah. I would so, love to do voiceovers and read really? books to well, people. Yeah. Mm. You know, we are often looking for people to read and do things like oh, that. Oh, that's nature. true. Well, so. how about that? <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. Well, you and Matt read not this Good Friday, but the previous Good Friday. Do you remember you stood in the balcony? Do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. You've used your talents here before. <laughs> I want people I, to know that. The first Pentecost Sunday that I was here, or maybe it wasn't Pentecost Sunday. I was preaching on Acts chapter two um, and I got everybody that I knew of that could speak another language to do oh, a I reading that. out mm. of, out of Acts two all at the same time in those different languages. And Lisa did it in Spanish. I do oh, remember that's that. Cool. that. Um, mm-hmm. But okay. So you're at college. Uh, is this where Matt comes into the picture? No. Mm-mm. Nope, Matt's not in the picture here. No, mm. I just have are, a are great... There gu- are there guys in the picture here? There was one that I dated briefly. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd rather not. <laughs> now, you make the shift to public relations, right? Public health. Public health, excuse me. Uh-huh. So what were you thinking at that point? Like, oh, this might be what I want to do. Or are you just looking for a different major? No, I finished. Well, so I did human relations. Human relations. Yeah, sorry. I did that just to graduate on time because I knew I could get the classes. Ah, yes, yes. So I graduated. I had great. I mean, my four years at Sanford are some of the best of my life. I mean, it was really good, good friendships that I still have today. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and then, oh, I lost my train of thought. You said something about Public health. Saying, oh, yeah. yeah. So then health, I, graduate. I graduated from Sanford with public health degree and started looking for a job. And I was real interested in ministry, too, of course, and missions. Mm-hmm. I'd always been interested in mis- missions. And so I got a job at um, Briarwood Presbyterian Church yeah. <clears throat> working for campus outreach. So I was basically uh-huh. the, the secretary, receptionist kind of person for them. And while I was working for them, they had a drop-in funding and asked me to start raising support. And that was after I'd been working for them for almost two years. And so at that point, I went to my parents and told them about it. And dad was like, we did not put you through college to raise support to be a secretary. Mm. So they encouraged me to go back to school. And through a series of God meetings with different people, I realized public health was where I wanted to be. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I got a master's in public health at UAB in the early 90s. And it was during that time that I met Matt because, speaking of old friendships from college, one of my best friends was Den Nichols. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. Did Den go to Sanford? No. Okay. But he hung out with us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was involved with outdoor recreation, so we had lots of outdoor activities and his... Uh, I just I have think, a really hard wow. time picturing Den being involved with outdoor recreation. <laughs> well, the guy who led it also went to Den's church, so that's how Den ended up on these trips. So I met him in a cave on one that of these trips. Like, sounds about right. <laughs> so one day I was complaining to him about not... And this is true. I was complaining to him how I wasn't meeting guys at my church. <laughs> and was this Briarwood? No, Briarwood at the time? No, I didn't go to Briarwood. Okay. Um, I went to, it doesn't matter what church I went to, <laughs> but I went to another church. And I would find out after the fact that they had had singles events. And so apparently the ratio was like nine women to three guys, something like that. Sounds about right. 
So when I heard that there'd be an event and I wasn't invited, I'm like, this is middle school stuff. I don't need this. <laughs> so Dunn said, well, you should come to my church. And the rest is history. Uh, that was Shades Valley Community Amazing. Church. Yes. Wow. Now, this was when? Ni- this was 1993. Okay, so Shades was very young. Yes. I didn't know... I didn't know much about its past. I just went to meet guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's our yeah. reputation. It's what we're known for. <laughs> it oh, had a right. great. It did have a great singles group at the time. Oh. I mean, we hung out after church every week. After Wednesday night service, we hung out. Now, where were they meeting at the time? They were meeting in a building over um, uh, near the Arby's in Homewood. Oh, yep. Okay. It was like a office building. I think it became a gym. Before that, I think it was like divided into cubicles or something. I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Now, you said y'all would hang out after Wednesday night service. I think we had Wednesday night church. I was about to ask, what was this Wednesday night service? This I mean, is it was interesting to me. Kind of like a devotional thing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And the church didn't really have a pastor when I first started coming. Gotcha. Um, Don Newell was kind of yeah, yeah. And he was great. I mean, he was great as a kind of a Bible study leader. And so they had something on Wednesday nights. Now, I'm. Well, I feel like we're about to start talking about Matt, but did you say you, is this after you graduated from UAB? No, I'm still in you're school. You're still in school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're still in school. You're at UAB. You go into this singles ministry at Shades. And how did you meet Matt? Den introduced us. <laughs> um, after church, Den said, here's my friend Matt. What was your first impression? Mm. <laughs> It was actually good. I mean, my first impression, well, my first impression was this guy's in high school. <laughs> and my second thought was, that's too bad because I really like him. <laughs> Matt still looks rather youthful. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Yep. Oh, man. So how did, how did y'all start dating? How did that happen? Well, I had a, a friend and she was working with a youth group. And I, and I had heard that Matt was working with a youth group. So when I heard that he was, even though I still thought he was maybe 20, and at that point, I'm 25, <clears throat> I asked um, Tricia to find out. I said, next time you work with a youth, can you find out what, how old he is? <laughs> and so she did. She asked a few questions, and then she called me, and she's like, he's your age. He's 25 or 24, I don't know. And so I was very excited after that. So then I called Den and asked him about Matt, and Den's like, you're my friend. Matt's my friend. I don't want to get caught in the middle, but he's like, I think the situation looks favorable, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, th- I think maybe two or three weeks after I met him, he asked me out. Okay. Was this, so was this in person or over the phone? No, he called me. and um, Landline. At, right? Those yeah, were the landline. only options in the yes, early 90s. He called me on a landline. <laughs> my house that I was sharing with three or four girls and asked me to go grab a bite to eat with him. Okay. I heard Matt's side of this story. Oh yeah. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) We need to hear the first date from your perspective. So I was very excited that he had asked me out and I had like three roommates. And so I asked them, is this a date? He just said, let's go grab something to eat. She's like, did he call you? I said, yes. Is he picking you up? I said, yes. Well then it's a date. So I went on their advice that it was a date. That's 100% a date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, w- I would say so. Yeah. That's why I turned sure. around after I ordered my food. I turned around and looked at him. <laughs> right. Like, you're paying. Right, exactly. Do you, now, do you remember where y'all went? 
Went to Schlotsky's. Oh, Schlotsky's uh, deli. deli. Yep. I haven't been to a Schlotsky's in a long time. I, are they if, open I anymore? I don't know if there's any around here. There may be somewhere else. There used to be one in Hoover. That's the one we went to. There was one on 280 for a long yeah. time. Did, did COVID get Schlotsky's? It, it definitely oh, closed. Oh, that's right. There was yeah. one out sure. there. It's anyway. nostalgic. Okay, sorry. It's not, it's not important <laughs> no. at all. Good sandwich. So you look at him, and he says, did he say anything, or was he just like... He's he, just <laughs> he a paid. very minuscule pause and then he ordered and paid okay <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness oh. so how long did y'all date before he popped the question uh we dated for almost three years i think oh, well wow. before he popped the question we started dating i think november 8th 1993 <laughs> nice and then he popped the question january 13th to 1996 Okay. So that, okay, years. I I know I know when Holly and I started dating. Dang it! I do not know the date of our engagement. I don't think she does either. Did do any of y'all know that? Yeah, I'd have to go. That's back impressive. And, I can look <laughs> at the calendar yeah, and tell you probably. Well, I journal, so. That's that's oh, yeah. That's I don't, cool. So how did how did he uh, how what was the uh, proposal like from your perspective? Um, he came. To, we were going to go hiking. And then my little sister popped out, popped up. She was living in um, Texas at the time. And then she called me and said, I'm in Birmingham. And I said, well, come hiking with us. And um, Matt apparently, I found out later, took her aside and said, please don't go hiking with us. <laughs> you, he, see, you see, if it was nowadays, he, she would have already been going hiking with you and she would have been the camera person. Yeah, I know. Right? That's Cause, true. Because that's, that's right. a thing now. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. I try to convince young people. I'm like, listen, we used to all get engaged with no one else. Right. I know. Right. I know. It's such a, a production. Now. That means right. it didn't happen, actually. Right. Yeah. You <laughs> Apparently, have, you, you have to post it to Instagram now. You know, yeah. everybody For it to has be real. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although Tim and Daniel say nothing on Instagram is real. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. Maybe there's a little them. bit of a I turn happening. Occur. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So he he tells your sister not to come hiking. So we go hiking at the Peavine Falls Trail at Oak Mountain State Park. And takes me up there overlooking the valley before Pelham and said, I don't think he actually asked me. I think he said, <laughs> I would love it if you would be my wife. <laughs> no, so I think I said, okay. <laughs> or something along those lines. Did he have a ring? Did yes, he, he had a ring. Okay, okay. He had a ring. Yeah. I started crying then, so I don't remember much more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. Now, at this point, are you still in school? Yes, I am. Okay. And what's he doing? He told us, but I can't remember. What was he doing at the time? I think he was, was in law school. Okay. Yeah, he was in, still in law Both school. Both in school. Wait a minute. By 93, I was working. Okay. Well, but I'm sorry. By the time he proposed, I was working. And he was still in school. That's right. Well, before we continue on asking about more of yours and Matt's story, and we also want to ask a little bit more about your faith journey. We haven't Mm, talked about mm -hmm. that too much. Uh, But we have a little something that we like to do that I'm sure you're aware of that we call the lightning round. Lightning round. I hope that y'all have some questions pulled up because I haven't haven't Are you getting DJ flashbacks with all these transitions? (laughs) Yeah. Right. I was I was thinking about how ironic it was how you described the anxiety you experienced at college and then talked about that you ran a show called The Evening Relaxed. Yeah, 
Are you feeling relaxed right now, or is this causing anxiety, Lisa? A little mix. Oh. All right. Well, we are so excited for this speed round, this lightning round. Are you ready to go, Lisa? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Number one. How do you <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brad. Don't. We're so coordinated. Uh, we practiced that for hours, too. Okay, John Mark, go ahead. How do you like your eggs? Over easy. Do you like coffee? I love coffee. <laughs> Me too. Black? Do you? How do you um, take it? I drink American coffee black, but the coffee I make in the morning for myself has cre- a cream and sugar in it. Okay. Because okay. it's really strong. Is that where, not American it, coffee? Uh, Whole Foods. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, but I just make it really strong. Really strong. If they made a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, maybe Julia Roberts. Oh, great pick. That's awesome. If you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go? Spain. I'd go home. When was the last time you, you went there? I got to go back in um, October 2019, which was really God that it happened then. Um, some friends of yeah. mine, for my 50th birthday, gave me enough money for a plane ticket. So I went with my older sister. Oh, did you get amazing. to like reconnect with some people? Yeah, while you were there? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's awesome. We cool. did. It was really great. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter? Instagram. Mm, what is a dish you eat at any holiday that is special to you or your family? Hmm. Um, shrimp and grits. Ooh. I make that on New Year, uh, Christmas Eve every year. Love that. Oh, nice. That's cool. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is. <laughs> A singer. <laughs> <laughs> Your lawyer husband would be proud of you for that answer. <laughs> what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Um, probably kudu and warthog. Wh- oh, what? how is the, how is the what, 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 what is well, what's the first thing? Let's <laughs> let's start with kudu. What is that? What is that? Kudu is an animal in the deer family. Okay. Oh, oh! I know what you're talking about now. With the twisty horns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Um, they're from. I've never eaten one, but. <laughs> and the other warthog is like a wild pig. Right. Um... Where, where did you eat these things? <laughs> it was a work trip, which was really great. It was, you were in Africa. Wow. Yeah, I was Cause, in. Because I was sitting here going, I was like, I don't remember any documentaries where <laughs> kudu were native to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was on a work trip, and we were on safari, and the meal that they served us had kudu and warthog, which is like, it was like venison and. Pork. Barbecue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. If oh. you could pick a song to play when you enter a room, what would it be? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Something by him? H-E-M? H-E-M. I don't know if I've heard of this band before. I don't know that I have either. Oh, heard of them. Never listened, really. Oh, they're really great. Female singer. Good songwriter. Oh. I'll have to check them out. Oh, yeah. I think Amy Ross has talked to me about... I heard before. Yeah. yeah. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Haven't been to many. Um, Does that hurt me? Well, no, feelings? no. I've been to lots of shows. <laughs> I've been to lots of shows. Probably the most fun, though, was City Stages Vallejo was playing. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was a Birmingham band that then went off to San Antonio or Austin or something. They That was the funnest short little thing they did yeah it was really fun yeah city stages in its heyday was a cool festival Mm -hmm. yeah who was your childhood actor crush harrison ford ah i mean that's almost obligatory (laughs) 
Like at the at the age at you would have been Indiana growing Jones, up. Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Han Solo. My mom took all the fun out of it when she said they were the same age. <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, oh no. What is your most used phone app? <laughs> to pick up my phone and look at it. Um, Does that count t- messages? Does Probably messages. Mess? I open my work email a lot and the weather, mm. the weather app a weather, lot. Weather, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> you turn the chip around. <laughs> yeah. Use the other end. Yes. Oh, man. I just laughed because the next question I read was, say a word in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> if, Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I don't have anything well, else. I was like, that was what I read, and I was like, that's no fun. If you could have a conversation with one person from history, mm. dead or alive, and they can't be from the Bible. Oh. Yeah. Who would it be? Everyone would say Jesus. How so many other stipulations are you going to put on this? Can't be from the you Bible. You gotta, it's got to be outside the Bible. Everyone would say Jesus. I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's quite an assumption. Uh, I don't. Oh, maybe Jane Austen. Oh, that's a good pick. Nice. We've gotten a lot of presidents. So, oh, yeah. there haven't been boring. any female presidents, so I'd want to talk to. That's Jane Austen. It's a great pick. What's the fastest you've ever driven in a car? Uh, driving, <laughs> probably ninety-five. Okay. But what I, about and riding? Riding. riding? That's a good story. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not really. But um, I went to this event at Talladega one time, and uh, oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Randy New- Newman, or is that the singer? Randy Newman's a singer. Oh, the other guy, the, Ryan Newman, the okay. driver, the NASCAR driver. Oh, Ryan okay. Newman and um, Austin Dillon were the NASCAR drivers that were there, and they took us on a ride along on the track. So How fast the did they go? Uh, like One, 126, okay. I think, because we were in a Chevy, just a regular car. Oh, okay, gotcha. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were in a Is regular that pretty car. pretty wild? Yeah, the G's, man. I was trying to sit up, you know, up. Couldn't get off. Because I was in the middle, because somebody else had called shotgun. So I was in the middle, and I was trying to talk to Ryan, and I could barely hold myself forward because oh, wow. the G's were so strong. Oh, man. Wow. That was fun. Fun fact, I am a Randy Newman fan. You like Randy I Newman? I do like Randy Newman. It's cool. I, I Matt do. does, too. Um, uh, I had one and I lost it. Uh, do you like the smell of gasoline? <laughs> no, Mm-mm. makes me nauseous. All right, if let's say Lisa that you're about to die, what would be your last meal? Ooh, um, probably steak and potatoes. Mm, any particular steak? Ruth's Chris. Ah. I do like a good Ruth's Chris steak. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. With a baked potato and some cream spinach. Oh, man. So good. Yeah. If you could only keep nine of your toes, who would draw the short straw? Ooh. <laughs> That's a weird question. Yeah, it is. I'll skip it. It is. <laughs> it's a good choice. <laughs> Cake or pie? Cake. All right. And I've, I've only got one more. Okay, go. How does someone politely end a conversation with a person who won't stop talking? Um, politely. P- 
politely end how does someone politely end a conversation with a person who won't stop talking um it was really nice talking to you but i've really got to go <laughs> yep <laughs> solid such, such honesty and integrity well done the, the first thing that went through my head was fake a phone call <laughs> that's, that's such so much more honest there, there is an app that uh, you can set that up to correct oh i'm sorry i'm getting a phone call oh wow it'll come up on the screen you just press a button wow incredible oh, well there you lisa go. You, you did a great, a great job. job thank you thank that you. was fantastic Oh, well, continuing on, so let's uh, let's back up before we move forward into, like, family and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit uh, just about your, your faith journey, what you remember of, like, coming to faith. Or I know that often for people who grow up within uh, a Christian home, um, that, it, it, you kind of just grow up exposed to the gospel all the time. But maybe there's a time in your life where uh, you really felt like your faith became your own. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did grow up in the church, obviously, and um, my dad was the pastor. But mm-hmm. one of the times that we were on furlough when I was in third grade, we were going to Auburn First Baptist, um, which oh, yeah. is where my dad still goes. Oh wow! And um, they did a call to to um, the front after the sermon. The regular pastor preached a sermon. The gospel was presented, and I decided at that point. It was the first time in my life that I felt um, an awareness that my bad behaviors were sin. Mm. And the worst behavior at that point when I'm nine was I really, really hated my little sister. <laughs> and so I wasn't very nice to her. And it was, and I remember thinking when the call to the altar was given, I remember thinking this, the way I treat my sister is sin. Mm. And I feel bad about that. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I repented and walked the aisle mm. now were you baptized there as well yes or? i was okay mm-hmm. yeah awesome. and um but of course then you know you keep living and um i mean my faith had to become my own but it wasn't until my high school years and in my high school years um uh, i was homeschooled it was a new city my parents were planning a church, and I was very lonely. I mean, if I could say one word that to describe my high school years, it would be lonely. Mm. And um, and then a crisis of faith. You know, I was I think I was hitting perhaps depression. And um, I remember thinking one night that I just didn't believe in God anymore. It's like I just don't believe. But then uh, then I felt a voice inside of me, of course, the Holy Spirit saying, "Read John." And so I picked up the book of John and started reading about it, especially, you know, the word was God, the word was with God Mm -hmm. and reading Jesus story in John, I realized, well, Jesus said he was God. So then I guess God exists because I believe in Jesus. So that's Mm -hmm. how it all became, really became my own then. And by the time I came to the States, I was really seeking to be discipled and learn more about the word and grow in my faith. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you end up at Shades, and you end up with Matt, and you and Matt get married, and then it's just uh, marital bliss from then on for the rest <laughs> of forever. That's that's the. Rest I think of the we're story. actually very well suited for each other. That's awesome. We have, I think, had have had a very good marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We got married in '96 at Briarwood, since I had connections there, and we had Daniel in 1999. 
He was mm. my Halloween baby. We were at a Shades <laughs> Valley function. We used to have a hoedown at the farm of some former members. Oh, have have you heard the rumor? Yes, that we might have one again. Oh, oh, it's happening. All right, it's happening this year, and not only is it happening, but uh, the word on the street is that Ian Henderson has secured the Rosser Farm That's as great. the location. That's awesome. So that yeah. plays a role because we were at that function at the hoedown at the Rossers. And I started having what I thought might be contractions, but I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. And um, and it was the 30th. It was October 30th. And then so I went to Ian Henderson, and I said, because she was still working as a nurse at the time. It's all connected. And so I was like, Ian, are these contractions? And she's like, you need to get back to Birmingham. Wow. <laughs> so And then Daniel was born the next morning. Awesome. Yep. We, we might need some help planning the hoedown. It's been a while since we've done one of those, so <laughs> we might need some assistance. Oh, there will be a team veterans. being assembled, oh, yeah. and you should it's definitely fun. be a part of it. Yeah. Did you say Ian was a nurse? Yeah. I've been trying to get Ian and Rory to come do a meet a member for forever, and they're like refusing. Ian, I hope you're listening. We're gonna get your story one way or another. She does listen. Oh my <laughs> word! Is this the the Rossers? Or do they have a son named Gabe Rosser? I don't know. I didn't know them very well. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of down uh, Columbiana? Columbiana? Mm-hmm. It's got to be this. I went to his uh, school with Gabe with a with a Gabe Rosser, wow. and I'm pretty sure it's it's him. Wow! Because I remember later finding out that I <clears throat> had heard that his family went to Shades Valley Community. It okay. was before I knew what Shades Valley Community was, but wow. there's definitely a connection there. Mm-hmm. We'll have to figure that out. It's okay, so point. it's all connected. Yes. So Daniel's born, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then how much longer till the second one comes along? Tim came along in 2003, and I was working full-time, and then I started working part-time, and then Tim came along, and um, we realized that daycare for two kids was going to be my entire paycheck. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was able mm-hmm. to stay home with Daniel and Tim for about eight years. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I love them. Eight years. That would have mean that you went back to work not long before we met. Yeah, I went back to work. Tim was nine. Yeah, I, I went think. back to work in um, February first of two thousand eleven. Yeah, so one year before. Mm-hmm. And you're at you're at the same place, right? Yes. Why I don't work, you tell us a little bit about that. I work for the UAB School of Nursing, highly ranked by U.S. News and World Report. Hundred <laughs> percent. <Yeah. laughs> and, and what do you do there? I work in international partnerships, or they call them global partnerships. So I manage projects. We have a a World Health Organization, Pan American Health Organization collaborating center. Wow. um, Which is pretty prestigious for... It sounds like it. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And I manage the projects that we... We negotiate projects based on the School of Nursing's areas of expertise and the needs of the World Health Organization and the Pan American Health Organization. They tell us what what they need done and we say hey we can do that and i manage those projects wow that's that awesome sounds, that sounds like a big deal so you've been doing that for i guess 11 years yeah mm-hmm. now yeah yeah i like it that's incredible it was a god mm. it was a god thing so well what has it been like uh being at shades valley for as long as you've been here and raising uh family at shades valley all of those kinds of things it's been good. It's been weird because I think, I mean, for same for Matt, you know, he, his family moved around a lot mm-hmm. with his dad being in the corporate world. I moved around pretty much a lot, <clears throat> dad being a missionary. And so when we found Shades and found our place here, 
we've stayed. I mean, our starter home that we bought in near 2000, we're still in it. Like, I think we're both really happy to have roots mm-hmm. and we yeah. have, and there've been times that we didn't want to go to shades anymore, but we didn't feel God saying, okay. And, um, and we really didn't want to start over somewhere. So mm-hmm. it's been, it's had its ups and downs, some very low points and then, but most, mostly good. Yeah. I, I felt that way before, especially right after Brad came on full time. <laughs> you know what's funny is I was thinking about making a joke about me coming on full time and it being a low point. So it's funny that maybe the spirit was moving and just just I was feeling bad about the fact I was going to make a joke after she had just been so serious. Um, no, but I mean it's yeah. you establish really good friendships. Right. I mean mm-hmm. this is my family mm-hmm. here in Birmingham, and mm-hmm. you know my dad's amazed and thankful for the community that I've had here, and yeah. It's, and my sisters are jealous of the community we have here. That's cool. So. Well, I mean, I would love for you to talk about some of the ways that you've served at Shades. I, was, I mean, with you and Matt, as I begin to think about the ways y'all are involved, there are so many things. It just feels like that could be a podcast episode in itself. But we talked about your love for missions earlier, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I got on the missions team early on, um, and we were supporting people. We tried to support people on every continent. And, you know, for a church our, our size, it wasn't, you know, like $50 here, $50 there. But um, I loved knowing about what was going on with the missionaries that our church supports and knowing that I was a part of it. I'd always felt that I was going to be a missionary. But then early in my dating relationship with Matt, I realized he was the one and missions was probably not mm. in a full time p- capacity in the picture. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was my way of serving. So when people come and, and share what they're doing in other parts of the world, I, I I almost always cry because I feel like that is our God. I mean, Jesus did have the great commission and commit commission all of us to share the gospel to all the ends of the earth. And when other people come and say they're doing that, like the Nunnally's or the McClung's or whoever it is, it's like my, I, I really literally feel like they are my hands and my feet. Mm. And, um, and feel so blessed that they are out there doing the work and that we can support it. I mean, we all have a role and, um, and ours is supporting them as much as we can. So I've done the missions team for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was on a a small team of ladies. One was Caroline Grant, where we led the women's ministry for a couple of years before Sarah, um, Dungan Hartgraf came on. So there's been I worked in the nursery when they let me have hold the babies. I want to hold the babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you you talking about being a part of the community, the community being family. Um, is it? I, I I don't know if it's okay. Is it okay for me to bring up the part of y'all's journey at the? I, I think it was near the beginning of the time that I was here. Um, we can edit this out if you don't want it, but I, I'm, t- I'm talking about uh, when you develop breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was, is it, can we talk about yeah, it? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I like for me, um, I think that was the first hard thing that I had experienced as far as like a part of the community, like, like something was going on in the body um, that was really difficult and and hard and and so for me like from my perspective it was my first time watching shades mm. be what it was mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I don't know. I think you know this. There was a night we did prayer at y'all's house. Mm -hmm. uh, we came over, um, and I have it recorded. Oh, wow. It's on my phone. Wow. And I've listened to it multiple times. Um, I can look it up right now. I'm not going to play it right now. <laughs> I was just saying I can look up the date of it. Um, but I, I was I was just curious, like, what um, whatever you're comfortable sharing or, or not, but what that journey was like for for you, especially just in your faith. and It was, um, I mean, it was hard. It was, <clears throat> of course. Um, I think in my faith, the biggest problem, uh, not problem, but the biggest um, thing that loomed up was that the question when you get that sick and when there is the possibility of death um, is why? Mm. Like, why, why, why me? And... Um, and I'd had friends die from breast cancer, and I'd had friends who'd survived, but not many at that point had died. But um, but very early on, and I guess one of the times I was praying, um, I felt God saying, there's no answer to the why, this side of eternity. Like, so don't even ask. There's just, no, there is no answer. And I think that just helped me a, a little bit, you know, get a better perspective, I guess. <clears throat> And I just tried, and then personally, I also just tried to think of positive things. Most of, you know, I just would think whenever something positive would happen or I would have positive thoughts. I have a little positive thought journal that I kept during that time, little stories that kept me going. But the big thing was the community around me. And Shades stepped up in a huge way. And, I mean, they were already there for me. I remember the, the day, the Sunday before my chemo started, being surrounded by women just impromptu during the middle of the service that they started praying for me. And I don't know, the meals, the people coming by, uh, the, when I got back from that first day of chemo, they had broken into my house and had cleaned it, decorated it and stocked the fridge. So Shades was there mm. for me in a lot of ways. I think those are the things that my dad and my sisters remember is, yeah. is the community that I had around me at the time. And people praying for me, people who'd been on the journey themselves would come and say, you know, we're here for you if you need to talk. So it was, it was, I don't know. I, that's what got me through. Hmm. I, I just looked at, it was August of 2014. That was, was right before my surgery then. Because mm -hmm. wow. I was diagnosed in January of 2014. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and at what, uh, I can't remember, at what point did they declare you cancer free or in remission? Um, in May of 2015. May of 2015. Mm -hmm. Wow. So almost yeah. seven years yeah. ago now. Mm -hmm. Crazy. That's that's incredible. Yep. Um, but I just remember watching you and Matt walk through that. And I know, I mean, I know that there's there's a lot that I, I, I didn't see or wasn't privy to or any of those kinds of things. But I just remember having conversations with Holly as we watched y'all uh walk through that just about your faithfulness um and even even on days when i'm sure questions were swirling and doubts were swirling like y'all y'all were here y'all were present y'all showed up y'all saying you prayed you wept and yeah just well, y'all's I mean, faithfulness just amidst all of it bad things are going to happen to you in life mm -hmm. that's just life and it's not, um, 
it's not punishment for something that you've done in your past. It's not, um, you're not atoning for something. I mean, it's just life. Life is hard. And I think for much of my, for much of my life, I thought Jesus just wanted me to be happy. And, um, I guess something changed then was that God, it does, it's not about being happy. It's about, um, thriving in your life, no matter what you're going through. I don't know. I'm not very articulate sometimes, but I had a dream one time and God gives me dreams about once a year. And, and this was before, way before the cancer, two or three years before. And I had a dream where I woke up one morning and I went out to my front porch and there was food everywhere. And I'm not meaning like a garbage dump. I mean like covered dishes, covering my steps, covering the lawn. And in my dream, I knew that they were all from shades and I didn't know oh, wow. exactly what it meant, um, except that Shades is full of gifts that God has given, mm-hmm. and that we. And I think I had that dream during the time when we didn't have a pastor, so I think it part of it was a significant story for Shades to know that we have within ourselves. We are the priesthood of believers. We have within ourselves that we can lead ourselves until God brings someone. But it was also just. Later, when I had cancer, it was like, this is the body of Christ coming to surround me mm. and support us. Preach. Um, I'm going awesome. to I'm need you to start sharing those dreams with me. <laughs> that once, was awesome. Once a year. That was super good. They're usually su- super specific. Oh, but. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, as we draw kind of closer to the, the conclusion of our time, just to, to wrap up where... You are in life now, new new phase. Uh, yeah. Kind, kind of, would you say you're in the empty nest phase? I mean, <laughs> Tim, Tim still lives at home, right? <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, it's, <laughs> I was telling Daniel just the other day how different this college experience is between the two of them. Oh. Because Daniel moved away to Indiana yeah, yeah. Right. for college, and we see him every few months, and we talk to him as often as we can. And then Tim moved out on a Wednesday and then he came back that night to eat supper with us. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he comes home I'm almost. so soon. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. So it really hasn't felt like an empty nest at all. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. He's planning to spend the summer um, away this summer for a couple of months. And so that's the first time that we'll be actually experiencing an empty nest is for those two months. Right. Right. Yeah. But he, he's at UAB. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually, we were talking just a little bit, uh, beforehand and you said he's majoring in criminal justice. Yes. He wants uh, to be a cop when he grows up. There you go. <laughs> when he grows up. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The six, all six, three of them. Oh man. Yeah. He's Gosh. so tall. Uh, do you know that, uh, wow. I have a bulletin from the first Sunday <laughs> I was at Shades. I remember. Yeah. Tim wrote on it. He wrote. Because uh, he had to be like nine. I thought he drew you. He, Maybe he did. So he wrote uh, For God's Glory on it, which was like the theme of what I was talking <laughs> about that day. And then he drew uh, a tank. <laughs> 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 but uh, Matt, naturally. Matt gave it to me after the service, and I totally still have it. Um, but no, that. that's so, yeah. But now he's. A man. He's six three. Yeah, he's turning nineteen today. Happy oh, birthday, wow. Tim! Happy birthday, yes, happy Timothy. birthday! And then um, um, Daniel's graduating in yeah, two weeks. Crazy. Yeah. So he's finishing college, and and his his degree was international international relations. That's right. Yeah, with that's a minor right. in African studies. All right. That's and awesome. how many languages is he speaking now? He can speak French, 
and Swahili, and he understands Spanish. Wow. I was wondering if you if you taught your boys any Spanish. No, unfortunately, no. <laughs> no. Didn't he when he had his wisdom teeth out wake up speaking f- like in yeah, Spanish? French. It oh, was French. French. It was French when he <laughs> had favorite his, stories. when he had his appendix out. Appendix. Okay, that's it. The nurses wheeled him into the room and they're like, <laughs> "Do y'all sp- are you are you French?" I'm like, "No, why? He's speaking French." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. Yes. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. We love you and your family. We're so thankful to have y'all at Shades. I'm thankful for y'all. I'm thankful that you give up Matt on Fridays. He's my golfing buddy. Yep. Yep. I've gotten to know Tim and Daniel to youth group. I still talk to Daniel. We we call and he calls me and we talk on the phone from time to time. Great. And so I love the theuses. We love the theuses. We're so thankful for you guys. Y'all are such a gift to Shades. We're big fans. Yes. We love y'all too. Oh, man. All right. I think that about wraps it up. So we thank everybody for listening to uh, Shades Midweek. Now that you've heard from both Matt and Lisa, I mean, if you got any questions that we didn't hit in our hard-hitting journalism uh, about the theuses, feel free to to reach out. We'll, We'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, because Brad, as you always say, they can email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Because at Shades Valley, you're part of the conversation.